In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61, verse 10. We hear a word in our readings today that we do not hear much of in our world, especially in 2020. Rejoice. St. Paul writes in our epistle today, rejoice always. And in Philippians 4, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And the prophet Isaiah, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. In the Hebrew, he actually just writes the verb twice. I will rejoice, rejoice. So we translate it, I will greatly rejoice. Rejoice isn't a word that we hear much on our televisions today or on the podcasts that we listen to in our cars. It's not a word that we typically throw around in our homes. It's not part of our conversation often. And naturally, we don't think about rejoicing very much. What it is, how it's done. And thus we end up rejoicing very little in our lives. We tend to compartmentalize rejoicing to special days like our wedding day, the day that we graduated, the day that you retired, the time you got your first deer, or when you won a big game. Rejoicing is limited to days of exceedingly great jubilation, beautiful accomplishments, hard-earned victories which are few and far between for us. And so most days, then, rejoicing can be the farthest thing from us. Not only do we experience rejoicing rather infrequently, not only do we fail to understand the word rightly, but even worse, when we do rejoice, we usually are not rejoicing in the right things. In other words, Ever since the fall, humans have struggled with this word, rejoice. This verb, this action, what it means, how it's done, in one way or another, we all fail. The disciples of the Lord were no different. In Luke chapter 10, they're reprimanded by Jesus because he finds them rejoicing in the wrong thing. Though it was a great day of rejoicing, it seems to me, in Luke 10, 72 of Jesus' followers are sent out on the very first mission trip, and what a success it was. They go and they healed sick people. They cast out demons. They saw things they had never seen before. They saw miracles unfold. And so they returned to Jesus, Luke says, rejoicing in these things. And they said to him, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But the Lord responds, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, which is cause for rejoicing every day. But don't rejoice in spirits being subject to you. Don't rejoice when you healed the sick or cast out a demon. Don't rejoice when you overcome a sin or an addiction. Don't rejoice when you beat down Satan under your feet. Don't rejoice when you're free momentarily from that which harms you or plagues you. 
Sure, all these things are granted by the Lord, but don't rejoice in them. Rather rejoice that your name is written in heaven. To rejoice, according to the scriptures, is intimately connected to God's salvation. To rejoice is to be a recipient of God's salvation. The action of God's steadfast love coming upon you. His promises spoken to you and believed by faith. His saving work completed for you. This is why Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And the psalmist cries out continually, I have trusted in your steadfast love, O God. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice that your name has been written in heaven. Your name, your individual name, it is written in glory. Rejoice, again I will say, rejoice in your salvation. To rejoice in the Lord is to rejoice not in the comforts and pleasures of this world as they continually ebb and flow, but in the salvation of the Lord which remains, endures, stands steadfast worked for you in his cross where God's steadfast love was poured out for you and in this empty tomb where God worked the wonders of his salvation for his people once and for all and on the last day when all God's saving work will be fully and finally revealed to you When a woman is giving birth, Jesus says she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The Lord knows the anguish and sorrow of this world, and the hours which have come upon you, and brought uncertainty, pain, and discomfort. Now you have sorrow, but I will see you again. And on that day, your heart will, future tense, rejoice. Therefore, the basis of our rejoicing is not what we see today, but in what God has promised us we will see on the last day. Not what lies before my eyes right now. Not the spirits being subject to me right now. Not the serpent under my foot right now. Not the momentary victory over a particular sin or a healing that lasts for moments, days, weeks, years as we count them. But we rejoice at the great and final day of our Lord. Where a thousand years are but a day and a day is like a thousand years. When every nation and people of every tribe and language will receive the fruits of salvation, the unfading crown of glory, and the new heavens and the new earth that awaits us on the final and never-ending act of God's steadfast love for his people. For you, the day when all the sorrows of this world will be rolled up like a scroll, and death will be swallowed up in victory, and your body and your soul it will rejoice before the Lamb upon his throne in splendor, and in holiness. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. John writes, this is our foundation of rejoicing. And so we are. We are God's children now. 
and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears on that last day, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. The joy of the last day is yours every day. It never goes away. It never fails or, st or stumbles. Even when your sin returns, even when you stumble, even when poor health returns, and especially when death strikes a heavy blow and once more a child of God is sown into the ground. Because when rejoicing is not based upon the powers or temporal situations of man, but solely upon the eternal power of our God, who died, who rose, who's coming again, then every day is a day of rejoicing. And on the day of his glorious coming, when we shall see him face to face, our hearts will be set aflame. Our spirit will exult and magnify our God, and we will shout for joy at the wonders of his power. And the saying will come to pass, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. St. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians, If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. For he is the one, prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, anointed by God Almighty, the one, the Spirit of the Lord upon him, the one who would bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the, of the prison to those who were bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn. And these promises, these salvific acts of steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, his works of salvation, they are not just for moments in time, but for all eternity, for today and every day. Liberty that is not just granted momentarily over you here today, but gone tomorrow, but is yours by faith forever and ever. Your name, it's not written and then erased on a whim. It's written in heaven and the ever-enduring blood of the Lamb, and the good news that Christ preaches to you. It's not some slow drip of a leaky and broken faucet that comes and goes, ebbs and flows, turns on and turns off. It is the good news that is preached to you that is an overflowing, powerful stream gushing forth with the steadfast love of God and overflows our cup. It cannot be wrenched away from you. In Christ, in a saving work, in his steadfast love over you, his child, whose name is written in heaven, the kingdom's yours forever. And so we rejoice. If the basis of your rejoicing is your works, your own spiritual capabilities, no matter how great or poor they may seem to you, or what lies before your eyes in this world, 
and you will never know what it means to rejoice in Christ. Don't rejoice at what surrounds you today. Spirits being subject to you, your accomplishments, your powers, your works. But rejoice in this. Your names are written in heaven. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God in his son's death and resurrection rejoices over you. And in Jesus who makes for you an everlasting promise, who turns not away from doing good to you, who puts the fear of God in your heart that you may not turn from him and says, I will rejoice in doing you good. And I will plant you in this land of faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. God's rejoicing over you and doing good to you in the salvation that he has delivered for you freely is why we rejoice. And to hear how he works salvation and plants you just as he did Adam and Eve in a land of faithfulness in his church, where his word is faithfully proclaimed and his blessed sacraments given to you to strengthen you and sustain you and to forgive you along life's way. And he does this all with his heart and soul, not because of any worthiness or merit in you, but solely because of his tender and fatherly goodness and mercy is why we rejoice to see God come among us and to proclaim to us such great and precious promises that he will not turn away from you, that he will continue to place faith in your heart so that you do not turn from him, that he will bring you to that heavenly and eternal banquet where we will feast on rich food, well-aged wine, rich food full of marrow, and aged wine well-refined is why we rejoice for all he has done, and for all he does, and for all he will do for you. This is why and the how of what it means for the Christian to rejoice always. Again, I say to rejoice. It's nothing more than to believe that in Christ your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in heaven. And that God will on the last day raise you from the dead to everlasting life and all believers. So when you wake up in the morning... And you make the sign of the cross over your body and remember the promises of God spoken over you in your baptism. You are rejoicing in a brief moment and yet throughout all eternity. When you rest in the forgiveness of your sins and in the wrongdoings that you know that Christ has paid the price, you rejoice for a moment and yet in all eternity. When you draw comfort in the empty tomb, in the resurrection of the dead, in the life of the world to come, even as you stand over a grave. You rejoice for a moment, and yet in all eternity. When you gather here and receive the salvation won for you on the cross, and the body and blood of our Lord, and the fellowship of this altar, you rejoice in a moment, and yet you are wrapped up into all eternity with the angels the archangels, and all the company of heaven which stand outside of time and upon the rock of ages cleft for you. And in all these things, and throughout all your days, the Christian rejoices always in the salvation accomplished for them in the death and the resurrection of Christ now and in the day to come. For the day is coming when your rejoicing will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, when what is sown in the ground in weakness 
will be raised in power. And what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. And what is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. And on that day, we will rejoice. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.